How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live in Atlanta, Georgia, for the second time this week. Today is Wednesday, July 22nd, 2022. Today, guys, we're back on the topic of NBA basketball, and I'm joined by a first-time guest of this show, um, my guy over here with Hawks Fan TV, Alex Chung. Alex, say what's up to the people. How you doing, guys? Uh, appreciate you having me on, Thomas. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Um, actually, when I first started out this podcast, guys, Alex is one of the first people that reached out to me about possibly getting a logo and stuff together. So I've known Alex since freshman year of college. We met each other. He was wearing a Matt Ryan jersey walking around Kennesaw campus. And as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a big Matt Ryan slash Falcons fan. So good to have a, have a fellow Atlanta fan on the show and a guy who runs a huge Twitter account. You also add it on Twitter is at HawksFanTV, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, at HawksFanTV on Twitter and Instagram, website HawksFanTV.com. Yeah, guys, there's a nice little plug for them. Go out there, follow them on all that. They're always live on uh, Twitter all times of the day, you know, talking about all types of good stuff, posting, giving us good team updates. Um, before we get into it real quick, guys, we're going to talk about the Hawks off the rip. Then we're just going to talk about like the Rudy Gobert trade and what all that did for the free agency market and just any other free agency things, things we can really think to talk about. Let's get into it, Alex. So I guess the first thing we need to start with um, on the podcast is how did you feel about the Hawks bringing in Kyle Korver as, you know, kind of heading up player development? Yeah, no, it was a, a great signing. I mean, it, it was a new position that the Hawks uh, organization made just for Kyle Korver. So that was interesting to see. Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do just, just given kind of his skill set and his experience and his career in the NBA, obviously played a super long career. Um, and he made his money with that three point shooting, a lot of off ball movement. And I'm curious to see how he intertwines some of his knowledge with some of our young guys, particularly Trey and players like that. So yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Kyle Korver, great person, uh, just to have in the organization. So I love the signing. Yeah, no, I love the signing too. So actually when I was in high school, my dad's company had season tickets for the Hawks, like right behind the Hawks bench. So I was fortunate enough to be for that to be the time when, you know, nobody really cared about going out to Hawks games. So I got to go a ton. And one of the things I liked about Corver is every single game you could go get there early and you could watch him warm up. First of all, the guy doesn't miss when he warms up. But the second thing is too, he was just a great people person. He would talk to everybody when he'd sign autographs stuff. He would sign every single person's autograph that was asking. So I think that's a great thing to have him on there because you know he's a great guy and going to bring a lot to the locker room, like you said. But also too, I mean, there's nothing wrong with bringing probably the best spot up shooter to ever play the game into the team. I think he's going to be good, you know, teaching guys like AJ Griffin how to kind of move without the ball in his hands. And get to the open spots and be ready to pop and shoot. I mean, whenever you bring a guy in like this to shoot that can teach people how to shoot the basketball, I mean, I can't wait to see DeAndre Hunter's already a good shooter, what he can do for guys like him. So I thought it was a great personnel move for the Hawks, a guy who probably really knows what he's doing with his organization and stuff. But overall, Alex, you know, the big ad was adding DeJounte Murray. I've been on this channel a lot preaching how we needed a secondary ball handler and a guy who can make plays, which DeJounte can do. He's a beast on defense, so he kind of gives us that backcourt guy. What kind of dynamics do you think that DeJounte is going to bring to switch things up for us? Oh, man, I'm I like before the news broke with the DeJounte Murray trade, man, the, it was um, it's funny because we, we did a number of different shows uh, mm -hmm. on our Twitter spaces uh, and even at the deadline last year, just, you know, discussing what potential targets would go, could go after um, a few fans uh, did bring up DeJounte Murray's name. And mm -hmm. I basically told him they're crazy. Like, you know, he's never like the Spurs aren't giving him away. He's only 25 all-star 
there's no way. And then, you know, shortly after, uh, you know, fast forward to the offseason, we, we get him. And uh, it's it's like the perfect fit for Trey, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of um, casual fans or just random people will say, oh, well, you know, they're two ball dominant guards. There's no way it's going to work. But when you bring in a guy like DeJounte, who's a legitimate, you know, uh, ball handler, he can score on his own, uh, not to mention his playmaking ability. Um, and the best of all is, is his defense that he provides. So uh, just the fact that we now have a two guard that could guard the opposition's best mm-hmm. guard player, we can move Dre to the best wing player. And it's just going to help this team defensively. As we know, DeJounte led the league in steals. He also led yep. the league in total passes deflected. So uh, dude's got like a seven foot wingspan. So um, it, it's going to be great. And I think this is also going to enable Trey to play more off ball more and People have been saying, you know, off-ball Trey, off-ball Trey. We just haven't had the personnel to do it. Um, you know, the Trey's been very vocal mm-hmm. in the front office about getting the right pieces so he could play more off-ball. His dad has publicly stated on Twitter, like, that's how Trey made his career basically all throughout high school was playing off-ball, being such a smaller guard. Um, and now that we have DeJounte, who can handle the rock, pass, get to the lane, uh, I mean, it's going to be amazing. Also, Trey posted a video that we posted on our Twitter as well uh, of just doing some off-season workouts. And he's actually, um, in that video, there's a clip of him working out with, uh, God, the guy's name is slipping my mind, but it's Stephen Curry's trainer as well. So definitely could see some elements more off-ball movement. I like that a lot, actually. I did see you guys repost that as well. Nice find there by y'all. They're always posting all the good Hawk stuff. Um, I like the fact you brought up DeAndre Hunter, though, Alex, because, I mean, that's another guy I saw y'all posting about yesterday. What do you think about this whole contract dispute? I saw that we're $20 million off with what that uh, he's asking. Yeah, uh, I, I see both sides of it, to be honest, because – and the way I took the, the $20 million, you know, differential was mm-hmm. – I'm assuming we came in at a four-year deal for roughly around like 15, 16 million. And DeAndre Hunter's camp is looking for like the 20, 21 million a year, uh, which, you know, you multiply that over the course of four years, that's where you get that 20 million mark. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, DeAndre Hunter, 25-year-old, 6'8", wing, big, athletic, strong guy, can be a reliable knockdown three-point shooter. And when you look at the landscape across the league, for one, Every good team, elite team in the NBA has a, a really good wing player at that three position. Um, and uh, they're hard to find. Like, yeah, you can find some guys that can play three and D, but at a higher level, those are those are really difficult to find. Um, mm-hmm. And if Dre, if we don't come to a deal this offseason, which my gut tells me we probably won't, but uh, we'll see what happens. But if they don't, obviously Dre's going to be betting on himself going to his contract year this season. And if he balls out, Thomas, and he gives us, you know, 18 mm-hmm. points a game, you know, and he ups his rebounding numbers to like six or seven rebounds a game, all while providing really good defense and, you know, shooting at a pretty efficient clip. Um, he's going to, you know, that that's a huge demand in the market. So I could see a lot of different teams, you know, offering him a, a big bag this offseason. And the worst case scenario would be we don't match that offer because he's a restricted free agent, as we know. So we still have the rights to match. But if we don't, and we let him walk for nothing. That's that's going to be terrible. Like that was our fourth overall pick. You just can't you can't waste those. It's it would be a um, just a piss poor job of, of front office management. 
Yeah, no, I think our front office though, is playing it the right way. Look, DeAndre Hunter definitely kind of deserves us a little bit of a team-friendly deal. I mean, we've had to deal with a lot of injuries from him. So, I mean, the $20 million part, like, I get it. So, when I was reading the article, was they were saying they were offering him something similar to what Keldon Johnson got, which I believe is like four years, $80 million. He probably wants that four years, $100 million, if I had to guess, and the team probably wasn't budging on that. So, you know, I, I agree, though, with a lot of things you said. Like, DeAndre Hunter, I mean, when I watch him play, I think baby Kawhi Leonard every single time. And, I mean, he shows the flash like he showed in those last two games of the season against Miami this last year like he showed the year before that before he had to get surgery again when he was playing and in the preseason before in that season like he shows all the flashes you want to see but I agree with you like he's got to earn it I personally think that we will end up paying him I just think it's more of like you know you come out here you're healthy like I could see it being you know he comes out he's healthy he plays well he gets paid by the 20th game of the season you know or like if he comes out and he's injured a bunch then, you know, we're probably going to try to resign him for that little part. But the good thing is, though, he will be restricted. So, you know, at least if we were really unable to agree with something, you know, it would be he can go out, get a signing trade, and go out and get that offer sheet. We're always going to have a chance to match. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it's funny because, because as we know, DeJounte only has mm -hmm. two years on his contract left. So we're most likely going to try to get him extended um, after next or, or next offseason. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to pair Trey and DeJounte long-term as much as possible and, you know, he's going to get a max, especially if he if he performs well this season and, and puts up similar numbers and we're winning a lot of games and we make another deep playoff run. You, you can bet your ass that he's, he's going to get uh, close to a max, if not a max. Um, I mean, we just saw what Jalen Brunson got, you know, one hundred million dollars, mm -hmm. like four years or something like that. Um, and he's not even a top 10 player uh, in his position across the league. So that's just where the market is going, man. And, and I could totally see a scenario where if. DeAndre does have a really, really good year or, or even, uh, you know, better for us, but worse for us. But it, let's say he comes out and shocks everyone and, you know, he averages 20 points a game on 38% from three, yeah. and, you know, playing elite defense on the perimeter. Um, you know, I could see teams giving DeAndre Hunter close to a max. I mean, that's that's where the market is headed. And uh, these contracts are just getting ridiculous. So if that does happen and let's say some desperate yeah. team offers DeAndre you know, 24, 25 million a year, 26 million a year. Um, we just can't afford three max contract players on our roster because it's just going to screw everything else up. So hopefully we, we, we get to them, you know, we get a good deal this off season, but yeah, it's just, it's just a big risk uh, going into next off season if he isn't signed. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, I think I think you may make a lot of good points there as well with everything that's going on with him. I'll, the, the one thing I will say about the Brunson contract is I didn't even realize this either until actually digging into the numbers a little bit. It still puts him out of the top 10 highest paid point guards in the league. We just don't think of it because like the salary cap keeps jumping up so many times. I think it just jumped 11 million dollars in the NBA. I believe it is in two years from now is do another TV deal. So there's probably a massive jump in the salary cap. So, you know, like realistically paying guys now is the move rather than and signing him long-term rather than paying him later. Cause you know, like Dame just got like that two where he's basically making $60 million a year. So these contracts about to keep getting insane. Um, last thing I think we really need to talk about here with the Hawks before we move to kind of talking about the absurd uh, trade that went down for Rudy Gobert is how do you feel about the Hawks kind of, kind of finalizing the roster and from based off those summer league pictures, looking like John Collins is sticking around. Yeah, um, I know trade talks were heavy with JC and everyone and their moms were basically saying, you know, JC is going to be traded, mm -hmm. you know, either on draft night or, or, or whenever the case was going to be. But uh, it looks like, you know, the front office values JC. Uh, and I think this whole narrative about people um, 
you know, saying that the Hawks are just trying to get rid of him and, you know, him and Trey don't mesh well, yada, yada, yada. It's just, it's just BS. And uh, the team mm-hmm. understands how good of a player JC is. And uh, we're, we're not just going to give him up for, for pennies and, and a bag of chips. So uh, <laughs> that tells me he's going to stay with us. Um, and, and we're going to, you know, he's going to be our starting power forward going to next season because there aren't many realistic trades out there remaining that that we could trade JC for to really make this team any better. So I just, yeah, I, I think he's going to come back for sure. Yeah, no, I think bringing him back, like you said, you know, was the wisest move at the end of the day. Like the biggest thing I've seen in the NBA is like, just keep your assets close to you and don't give them up for nothing. I mean, look what happened with Ben Simmons. The 76ers, you know, they just kept him. They said, whatever, you could not play for us, but we're going to keep you around. And at the end of the day, they ended up getting James Harden back for them. And, you know, if they had traded him at the time, it would have been, like you said, pennies in a bag of chips for him. Like, that's what you have to do in the NBA. And the best thing you can do is just continue to stack up assets. Year after year, when the salary cap keeps jumping, the contract for Collins doesn't look as bad as it may be. And ultimately, I think we still made the right decision paying him the money, you know. It just is the market just hasn't really heated up for him that much. I think the thing that, like, I like Collins is it locker room the thing I like about Collins is you know like there's guys you can tell on the teams who are just going through motions but Collins is one of those guys who like really gives a shit like he wants to win he wants to contribute he wants to be that guy he's just stuck in kind of like a tweener body like he's like he's like not quite big enough to be a center but he's also not quite like coordinated enough to be like play on the perimeter he's a little too big for that so I think that's one thing that hurts him but I mean he more than makes up it he's still shooting over 40 percent from three which I mean to be a power forward and shoot 40 percent from three I think that's massive so ultimately I like the fact that we brought him back I like the fact we brought back Capella you know I think that Capella has a very team-friendly deal and I think it was probably smart dude not to sign eight I mean when you look at all these teams that are winning the championship year after year after year like the Warriors aren't paying big money to a big man the Bucks. I mean, Giannis does, plays on the perimeter at the end of the day. They're not paying big bucks to a big man, you know? Like, all, none of these teams are paying big bucks to, bi- to big men. So, I think the Hawks are doing it the right way, and I think everything's going to end up working out, and this is going to be the best product that we've seen on the court in a long time. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, this, this is, I mean, objectively speaking, uh, on paper, this is uh, not only the most talented roster mm-hmm. we've had uh, since the Trey Young era has begun, but just honestly probably, like, in the last three decades right um i mean we could rewind the clocks back to like the doc rivers you know uh, dominique days but yeah i mean this is i mean this is better than the 2015 2016 hawks that won 60 games so oh, like, absolutely it's yeah like we have two legitimate all-stars this is the the way the game has changed over the years like you're right that their elite teams aren't paying top dollar for for big men it's it's not the 90s anymore where you had the shacks mm-hmm. of the world that can just dominate games it's a very perimeter driven league now and we have two perimeter all-stars so uh, i'm excited i think travis schlink and landry fields are smart enough and savvy enough to not get fleeced in any deal and Mm -hmm. that definitely uh is true for the john collins situation uh the only way we're going to trade him is if we know for sure we're winning that trade no 100 percent um speaking of getting fleece and deals let's talk about the ultimate fleece i think this has to be the biggest fleece ever The Minnesota Timberwolves pretty much trade Patrick Beverly, a bunch of like role players and four first round picks plus a pick swap. They send all of that. They get the better end of the deal or they get the bad end of the deal to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gobert. Look, I first of all, Alex, I think this has really screwed up the NBA trade market here. I mean, I saw the day that the Jazz were asking for seven first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. Like, I like Donovan Mitchell, but is Donovan Mitchell even better than DeJounte Murray? I mean, 
the best time we saw Donovan Mitchell was in the bubble. I mean, we've seen since the bubble how much that that really was like mattered towards basketball. I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell's a bum, but I'm also not saying that Donovan Mitchell should command seven first round picks. I mean, Kevin Durant, they were asking for like Anthony Edwards, Cat, and like five first round picks for him. It's just made all these trade offers absolutely absurd now. But look, for Minnesota side, yes, they paid too much in my opinion, but at the same time, I didn't even realize this till I heard it the other, I heard it on a podcast. Timberwolves have made it to the second round one time in 34 years of being a franchise. That is absolutely insane. One time they went to the second round. I mean, this team finally has some hype and stuff. They want to go ahead and go all in. I mean, if you're cool with probably not winning a championship, but you know, going to the second, third round, then by all means, I think they made the right trade. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've um, If you guys follow me on Twitter or anything, like I, I'm a pretty anti-Rudy Gobert person. Um, Same. Yeah, sure, you, you can't deny what he does on defense, right? You know, mm-hmm. multiple defense player of the year awards, this and that, you know, single-handedly pretty much, you know, made the Jazz a top 10 defense all by himself. So you can't take credit away from that. But, you know, as a seven foot two or, or however big he is, big man, yeah. Uh, and you can't even create your own shot. You have no back to the basket game. You can't shoot free throws. You can't stretch the floor. All he's good for is basically catching lobs and, you know, putbacks and rebounding. Um, so in my opinion, yeah, I mean, I think the trade is pretty terrible. I mean, four first round picks, a pick swap, and then you, you throw in some key, you know, rotational players like, you know, your Malik Beasley's, Patrick Beverly's, yeah. Vanderbilt's of the world. Like these are still really solid NBA players. Um, they're not just scrubs. Um, so yeah, it was a huge haul for, for Rudy. Um, I, I do agree with you, man. Like I, the jazz definitely won that, that deal because the Timberwolves by making this move, going all in mortgaging their future, getting rid of, you know, three key rotational players. Um, you only make that move. If, if you know, for sure, like you have a really, really high chance of winning the title next year. And yeah, I, I admit like a core of Anthony Edwards and, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Cat, and then you add Rudy to the mix for, for the defense. It, that makes for a really strong team, but it still wouldn't even get them, I don't even think to a, a, a conference finals appearance just because, you know, they're better teams than them, quite frankly. So in, in the rare event that the Timberwolves somehow win a championship over the next two years, then obviously this was worth it. Just, yeah, that's just not, that's just not going to happen in my opinion. And yeah, Rudy Gobert, uh, they, he definitely messed up the trade market because that's, that's insane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like seven first-round picks to Donovan Mitchell, there's ain't no way. But, I mean, yeah, like the Timberwolves, their defense was – I think they might have been dead last in the NBA in defense this last season. If not dead last, they were in the bottom. They're definitely the worst defense of any team that made the playoffs. And, I mean, yeah, Gobert's going to fix that. So, I, you know, I think this is a good fit, though, for Gobert, you know, because, like you said, you have D'Lo, you have Anthony Edwards, you still have uh, Torian Prince, you still have Carl um, Anthony Towns, obviously. You have four guys right there who can really do it for you on offense. And it's not like he has to do a ton, you know, on offense. But at the same time, it's just it's just paying way too much. And, I mean, for the Jazz, it's a no-brainer for you to end up doing that trade. Um, do you think we'll end up seeing KD or Donovan Mitchell get traded this offseason? Uh, I don't think we see KD get traded, same with, like, Kyrie. The Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell thing, you know, from what I've seen and heard, that sounds like it's picking up some steam. And, and you know, it, it looks like there is a high chance that he does go to the Knicks. Um but yeah, you know, the, the seven first round draft picks that they're looking for, and we know Danny Ainge, right? He, he, he does this, he, he's notorious for trying to fleece opposing GMs. Uh, and that's certainly the case here. But yeah, I mean, even, even six first round draft picks for Donovan Mitchell, like he's a, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. I mean, hell, 
if you would ask me this question last year, like I, I would have, I was actually pro Donovan Mitchell to come to Atlanta. Like he's a, he's a really good offensive player. Um, and you can't deny what he's done in the playoffs throughout his career. So, but yeah, I mean, the only situation, there's only maybe a handful of players, maybe five players in the NBA today that you should be giving up, you know, five, six, seven first round draft picks for. But unfortunately, Donovan Mitchell doesn't fall in that category. Yeah, no, I see. I agree with you. Like, I'm not, I don't want to say Donovan Mitchell's a bum because he's definitely not. He's definitely an all-star, but he's not like an all-star starter. He's more, I have him probably in, in like that, like 18 to like 25 best player range. Like, I agree with you. Like, I was pro Donovan Mitchell to Atlanta. I thought he would have been a nice piece to put next to Trey, but I, there just ain't no way I can wrap my head around that. I do agree with you, though. I do think he'll get moved. It'll be interesting to see if these other teams get involved. Like, that was what I was wondering the entire time with KD, if like they can pull off like a three, four team trade. I think that's what it's going to end up taking though, to move on from a guy like this. Um, any other topics you think we need to cover here, Alex? Oh man. Uh, in terms of the trade market. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, while, while we're on the topic of Donovan Mitchell, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just think it's hilarious. Uh, we, we can use this time to maybe roast some Knicks fans, but <laughs> You know, they're, they're convinced that Donovan Mitchell is like the, the missing piece, right? And you know, yeah. when you deploy a, a backcourt of two six-foot guards, none of which that, that are good defenders, mm -hmm. um, it's just comical, man. Like, I've seen Knicks fans on, on the timeline saying that Donovan Mitchell uh, is on the same level as Trey, if not better. And then Jalen Brunson is, you know, better than DeJounte Murray, so they have a better backcourt than us. It's just – it's funny. We'll, we'll see. I, I actually hope Donovan Mitchell does go – to the Knicks, uh, as funny as that is, but because it would make for more exciting matches, matchups mm -hmm. with them. But yeah, I mean, I, I see our team scoring like I see Trey and Dejounte dropping like eighty points just on on their backcourt alone. So for our <laughs> sake, I, I hope that happens. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Yeah, Knicks fans on the timeline crack me up. They'll post these videos of RJ Barrett. I'm like, hey, you got any videos from the playoffs when he scored like five points on like two of seventeen shooting? Because I don't think I have any of those. But y'all might. It's ridiculous. Like the Knicks fans think RJ Barrett is like the second coming of, of KD or somewhere or Kawhi. Like, it, it's hilarious. I, I asked. I actually asked a couple of Knicks fans that I know on Twitter. Like, hey, would you trade RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell straight up? No picks. No other player. Just a one for one trade. And every single one of them said no. What? So I'm just thinking, so you're telling me you wouldn't trade um, a player right now who, 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 if you look at his stats, he, he's incredibly inefficient. Like the dude just, yeah, he just, he's not that good offensively, in my opinion. Um, for a guy that's a proven all-star, a guy that's a, a legitimate, you know, 20, 23 to 25 point per game player uh, who's only 25, you wouldn't trade that guy for, an up-and-coming player who you hope to be even as half as good as Donovan Mitchell, yeah, they, they're, they're just – it's silly talk. Yeah, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. I can't even wrap my head around it. Um, Just real quick, last topic here. What do you think about the guys who are still available? You know, I noticed Colin Sexton's unsigned, Dennis Schroeder, just named two of them. I mean, what do you think's going to happen to those guys? Dennis going to go back to Europe? You think Sexton's going to get – like, what's Sexton going to do here? And I don't know. It's, it's crazy because – it's weird that more teams aren't inquiring about Sexton because when you look at his production, like he's actually, he, he's a pretty solid player. Uh, I don't know what the case is, but um, it's just weird that teams aren't like going after Colin Sexton uh, that could use him. So that leads me to believe maybe, maybe there's something under the, um, 
you know, that, that, that we're not privy of, you know, maybe he's like a low key, like head case or something, but yeah, it's weird. I, I think Colin Sexton doesn't get moved. I think he's going to be back on the Cavs going into next season. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Um, I know Dennis, some team's going to pick up Dennis Schroeder because, uh, you know, he's still under 30. I think he's only 28 now or 29 at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still a serviceable perimeter defender, uh, you know, pretty decent floor general. He's a vet now. So um, I would be very surprised if Dennis Schroeder doesn't get picked up somewhere. Um, and, and this is a life lesson for for some other players, you know, like Dennis Schroeder, as we all know, he rejected that, you know, pretty nice extension. I think it was from the Lakers, if I don't yep. I, uh, remember correctly, and he rejected it. He bet on himself. And now he, he, he pretty much costed himself like 40 million plus dollars by not accepting that deal. So maybe, I don't know, maybe DeAndre Hunter can, um, can, can learn something because in the event that he doesn't take an extension with us this offseason, and let's say he does get injured again this upcoming season or he just doesn't produce at the same level that he did, um, then, yeah, he's going to lose out on, on, on a lot of millions. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting season, man. This is the most uh, – I'm looking forward to this season the most. And I said the same thing last year because uh, I was optimistic that we could, you know, carry our playoff run going to next season. But uh, obviously we know how that ended. But I, I really believe like this DeJounte Murray edition. And then I know we got rid of Kevin Herter and Danilo mm-hmm. Gallinari. But I even think some of these low-key signings like the Aaron Holidays, the Justin Holidays of the world are actually going to contribute to us in, in a pretty big way. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, I think those would be good signings too. Um, yeah, with Sexton too, like it makes even less sense. He averaged 16 points per game as a rookie, then 20 his second year, and then 24.3 his third year. And I mean, we've seen his assist total go from three to four and a half as well. Obviously, he got hurt 11 games last year, so I'll throw those stats out the window. But yeah, no, it definitely is weird. I really feel like Dallas should reach out to Sexton, offer him a one-year deal for like big money, and it should be like, hey, you come in here, you prove it, and we'll give you that long-term money, you know, see if Cleveland will match it. I assume though, since he's coming up it's the thing that i think is probably he hasn't been able to pass a physical i feel like teams have won in the past physical i think his knee is probably still pretty beat up so you might have to miss some time you know to start off the season so i think that's really more so what it is yeah very true very true yeah i, I forgot he did get injured he only played 11 games last season mm. so um it's gonna be interesting to see the, the only problem is is like yeah, it's just really hard in today's league to, to be that small because he is only like six six foot, six one, something like that. Very similar okay. to Trey. And when you don't have – if you're not, a, you know, basically a, a transcendent offensive player at that size like your Trey Youngs of the world, I mean, you I wouldn't consider Donovan Mitchell a transcendent offensive superstar. Yeah. You know, he, he's still a really, really good offensive player. And Colin Sexton isn't, isn't anywhere close to either of those two players. Uh, so – We'll see what happens because he's really a two guard. That's the biggest issue with him. He's a shooting guard, but he's stuck in a you know point guard body. Mm-hmm. And the you know teams you know having a fit for him is tough. But I agree. I think Dallas does make a lot of sense because they just lost Brunson and you know Sexton still can get some buckets. So I'd be very curious to see who lands him. But um, we'll, we'll we'll see. It's uh, Colin Sexton. I remember going into the draft because he's the same draft class as Trey. Yep. That everyone thought Sexton was going to be better than Trey Young, and we all know how that how that story ended. So, uh, I wish him the best. Uh, I know he's a you know fellow Georgia kid, so we'll see yep. what he can do. But I think I think he's going to be back on the Cavs next year. 
Yeah, I'd say you're probably right on that call. Yeah, funny you bring that up about them thinking players are better. It's hilarious whenever you see on Twitter the video of Skip and Shannon saying Dante DiCincenzo would be better than Trey, who's on like his fourth team now. So that one's always makes me laugh a little bit too. Um, it, anyway, though, Alex, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, one more time, plug y'all, plug y'all at Hawks Fan TV. Yes, sir. You can find all of our socials at Hawks Fan TV on Twitter and Instagram, YouTube. Uh, a website hawksfantv.com to catch all of your latest news rumors reports debates that your hearts can desire um and yeah man we, we got big things planned for this upcoming season uh you know we, we have online media access uh, with the players and coaches but hoping to get some in-person access this upcoming season so uh, we'll definitely be covering the hawks in a much more extensive um granular detail so excited for that um and yeah man hawksfantv.com check it out yeah, guys, check them out. Whenever I see any Hawks rumors, it's the first place I go. I do not go to Sports Talk ATL. I go straight to Hawks Fan TV whenever I see my Hawks rumors and whatnot. But once again, guys, Alex, appreciate you coming on, man. And we appreciate everyone who tuned into this podcast. And we'll talk to you all again soon.